Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power Podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my wonderful guest for today is Paul J. Mills. Paul J. Mills, PhD, is Professor of Public Health and Family Medicine and Director of the Center of Excellence for Research and Training in Integrative Health at the University of California, San Diego. He has over 400 scientific publications in the fields of pharmacology, oncology, cardiology, psychoneuroimmunology, behavioral medicine, and integrative health. His work has been featured in Time Magazine, The New York Times, National Public Radio, U.S. News and World Report, Consumer Reports, The Huffington Post, Gaia TV, and WebMND, among others. Paul has also presented his work at hundreds of conferences and workshops around the world, including at the United Nations. Welcome, Paul. Emmy, thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here with you. Thank you, Paul. It's, it's a real blessing to have you with us, and I cannot wait for us to dive into today's topics. Now, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I love to start by asking my guests, what does sacred feminine power mean to you personally? Yes, for me personally, the sacred feminine, it really means life itself, or should I say life herself. It, it wasn't really until I began to recognize and understand the, the feminine within me that my life really began to be more transformed. And um, what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, I, I felt a depth to my feelings and an appreciation of life itself that I hadn't had before. And I, it really helped change how I could engage with life too. So there's multiple dimensions of it. I'd be happy to speak about with you. Mm, absolutely. I'd love to go into more depth with those with you because you really just um, piqued my curiosity there in many ways <laughs> with your response. And I have a feeling that uh, with the next question, you will already start to unravel some of this. So, Paul, would you please share a challenge that you have faced on your path that's really helped mm. you to activate this power within you? Yeah. Well, the, the major challenge came when I I was faced with the recognition that I had really been shut down for the majority of my life. And what I mean by shut down is, is back to that aspect of my, my feminine self, my sacred feminine within me was really offline. And I, I hadn't recognized it up to that point. And this was later in life. I was in my 50s. And prior to that, I had been living more of a life in the mental. And I'm a scientist, as you shared with your introduction. And my mental was very good and very strong, but I was not balanced well in life. And I was confronted with the realization that that part of me had been offline for the entire time. And then the challenge was, okay, what to do about it? How do I bring this back online for myself? So I begin to enrich and complete myself, uh, bring more of a balance. And it was a difficult time in my life. Uh, it took a lot of courage and really willpower to let go of the life I knew that, of course, I was familiar with, that I was comfortable with in many ways, even though it was lacking something that from the inside I had been always seeking, but had never been able to, to find. Mm, beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing so openly about that realization. I'd love to know a little bit more, Paul, about 
how did this this lack of the the feminine or the or the feminine being offline how how did that manifest in your life what did it mean in practice well before this let's say transformation and opening i felt there was always something missing and there was there would be on occasion this sense of emotion that would well up with me within me under certain circumstances and that could be meeting new people it could be being out in in mother nature and this 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 flow of energy would come from within inside of me like a yearning yes that's what it was it was a yearning mm. and i would feel it and then i would just push it back down or i i i cuz i didn't really understand what it was at, the, at that time in my life and then of course the pushing down would then disconnect me back to whatever i was experiencing that i was trying to get a connection with but i didn't know how to do it i didn't understand what was going on and that was the challenge and then eventually uh i i put the pieces together and realized what that was and then then the life changes that i needed to make in order to have that be available to me all the time and to support it and and really to integrate that part of myself but basically speaking about the feminine part of myself mhm beautiful and since this this is a topic that uh, a lot of men are still finding quite difficult to connect with and perhaps have no idea what the, what it could mean for their lives would you feel comfortable uh sharing a little bit more about what it was that you did that helped you to really bring this feminine inside online for you mm-hmm. well it was it was embracing the the feelings it was being willing to look at those feelings and understand what they really meant to me and what they were from within me and to be more specific i had been in a very long term relationship at that time decades and i was very much offline throughout that relationship had a sense that things weren't quite right but didn't know what was wrong fully and and within that too actually i had a lot of doubt that i was capable of actually maintaining those levels of feelings. I thought perhaps there's something wrong with me that that the relationship wasn't working and that I wasn't able to bring to it a certain depth of my own self. And so the the challenge the recognition was meeting someone where those that faculty within me that really the 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 divine the divine love that I had not been able to experience and manifest before just came surging forth. and then i i realized oh that's what <laughs> that's what this is all about and then the challenge was to face was well am i willing to embrace this and move forward into the unknown really as far as where this would ultimately take me which is of course what i chose to do because i realized to myself i thought well i don't know where this will take me following this depth of feelings in myself it could take me to a whole new life and last a lifetime or maybe it'll only be a week i i didn't know but i told myself regardless i must know and embrace the these feelings within me 
uh, no matter where they take me. Hmm. Beautiful. And that takes a lot of courage, especially in a world where we are, especially men, but we generally are taught to really suppress our emotions and not to show our emotions, uh, especially in terms of emotions like sadness or grief and crying, if that would be publicly, for example. So thank, thank you for sharing more about that. What, what would you say was the divine meaning or hidden blessing in this challenge that you've been describing now that you are on the other side of it or perhaps see it from a bigger picture perspective? <laughs> well, the hidden blessing is, is really li living life now. My life is radically different than it used to be. And I don't mean so much on the external, which it is different, certainly, but I mean on the internal. My sense of self, my sense of engagement, uh, participation, appreciation of the world around me and of people is, is completely different now that this part of myself is, is awake and becomes increasingly awake over time. I find uh, I have I always had a sense of intuition before, but I never really trusted it. That like the, these, these feelings within me of love, this, this kind of feminine aspect of my inheritance, where I would just suppress it. If I had intuitive hits on things, I would suppress them. I don't do that anymore. Now I fully trust my intuition as part of this whole renewal. It's also led to a sense of embodiment that I didn't have before. Historically, I was very dissociated. And I think you know what that means as people who generally are very disconnected from their body self, uh, in addition, of course, to their, to their fine feelings and emotions. And, and trusting and moving into my feminine power has helped me come into more of an embodiment. And frankly, uh, and it really ultimately led my capacity to write the book, which we haven't spoken about, my book, Science Being and Becoming, the spiritual lives of scientists and in, in which I speak about spirituality and science and the need to emerge spirituality and science and my really ability to move forward and write that book, which contains a lot of my own personal sharings of the metaphysical and the mystical arose from feeling more integrated with my masculine and feminine and feeling more whole and say confident that this was a direction now to take my my work mm, beautiful i love that and let's delve into your book in a little bit little bit more depth here paul i would love to hear a little bit more what was the the springboard behind the idea for this book i mean it's, it's a fascinating theme the spiritual lives of scientists would you please share a bit more about that yeah there are a couple of springboards one Historically at the university, uh, students would often come and speak with me about the challenge they had of being in more, more of an academic setting, which is typically more mental and the science of it more materialistic. And their need to figure out how to balance the spiritual in themselves while maintaining being in that setting. We would have conversations about that. And I often would begin to think, I need to put something together so uh, these younger people have a, a guidepost, so to speak, uh, something they could read and learn about and know how to do it, and that it's actually not only okay to do it, but really, really important to do it for their own sense of health and well-being. That was a big part of it. 
And another was a story that I open up at the beginning of the book, which is essentially a vision I had of the future of humanity, which involves humanity really bringing love into this physical dimension that we call uh, the earth, this third dimension. And, and of course, love is gets back to the sacred feminine and how that love, when this comes to be in the future, will transform not only human life, of course, but life on the earth herself. And that was uh, also a big impetus for me to write the book. Mm, beautiful. I love everything that you say, and it resonates very, very strongly. And please share a little bit more about the topic of love here and why it is such a central element to the transformation that our planet is already going through, that collective humanity is already going through in so many ways. And how is it supporting us to birth this new earth that we are heading towards and in some ways already are in? Yeah. Gosh, so many, so many things to say about that. As after this vision some years ago, I began to do more reading. And I'd already been familiar with a fair amount of esoteric teachings, primarily uh, Vedanta uh, in the East. And, but it, it caused me to want to begin to study other traditions, which speak not only about the importance of knowing oneself as far as self-realization and enlightenment, but also transforming the human being, the, the say the human vessel that we are also that it's important not just to become self-realized and say, okay, good job. I can live my life now. I know that I am the universe, for example, mm -hmm. but that it's incumbent us to continue that journey to develop our humanity. And that part of developing our humanity, from my point of view, has to do with love itself and embracing love and activating those forces within us. And that creates more the integration of the say that our transcendent nature as awareness itself with what we call the material world, which is a manifestation, a certain kind of manifestation of the transcendent of consciousness in form. And there are many traditions to speak, which speak about this and the importance of the earth specifically in our solar system as the place where love is being manifested, the importance of the human being as a, as a, as a created being whose role is to be able to manifest that love into the physical realm and how that'll transform, yeah, as I said earlier, the earth herself, but also the importance along the, the spiritual journey of the humanity. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and love really is the, the ultimate force within our universe and beyond, I would say as well. This, this, topic might seem a little bit, I think you used the word esoteric yourself uh, earlier. How do we bring this into practice since we're talking about scientists and you yourself having a scientific background as well? How do we root or ground this love into this 3D reality that we're living in, in a way that allows us to transform ourselves and the world around us? Big yeah. question, I know. <laughs> it's a it is the question, and thank you. And I do I try to address that in the book. Uh, I do my best. Let me begin this way. I, I, for the book, as you know, I interviewed uh, over 30 scientists, uh, many around the world, and I asked them about their transpersonal and 
metaphysical and mystical experiences and what those experiences were and then how those experiences transformed them and also their scientific work. And during the course of the interviews, one of the scientists, her name is Dr. Julie Mosberg, she said to me, you know, Paul, and she was speaking about science and how science is, as you know, for the most part, very materialistic. And within materialism, there's a certain kind of judgment against uh, what is being perceived in the sense of what is being perceived is looked at essentially as matter only. The, the spirit is not perceived within it. And she said that uh, judgment is essentially observation without love and that much of science is really judgment. It's judgment of the world because the world is not being perceived in its true nature, which as you said earlier, is love itself, is the spiritual. It's a living conscious being, all of matter and the earth herself and beyond. And she said the challenge for science is to move out of judgment and to begin to move back to observation of whatever is being studied with consciousness itself, with love. And, and when she was speaking, it reminded me, I had been reading some books by someone named Owen Barfield, and he was a philosopher in the UK. And he uh, wrote a lot of books around consciousness and human development. And he, he stressed the importance of imagination and also, of course, intuition, which intuition we feel is very much a feminine power. Imagination perhaps is a combination of feminine and masculine power. We could, we could talk about that. But for him, when we are in the world and we're perceiving other people and things, if we don't have our imagination on board, then that's what causes matter to look devoid of spirit. He said that perception without imagination is the sword thrust between the spiritual world and what we call the material world. And as I say that, it, it reminds me back when we started speaking about my own journey at the beginning of the podcast. It's if we don't have spiritual faculties awaken us, such as imagination, intuition, love itself, then perception is essentially unreal. We, we can't see things for what they really are. But when we open the gates to these powers within us, feminine, a proper balance with masculine, then things begin to appear as they really are. And that's the gift of uh, the spiritual journey if, if people are willing to embark on it. Mm. Beautiful. There's so many different pathways that I'm curious about right now, <laughs> diving <laughs> deeper into with you. But what I'm really called to ask you right now, and, and feel free to, to decline the question if you, if you prefer, but over the past two and a half years, what we've seen globally is a massive thrive for scientific reasoning and really using the word science to justify a lot of measures that I think we can now see pretty clearly have not been for the benefit of humanity overall. What, what would your take be on that? I'm just curious to hear your, yeah. your opinion. Well, I, I, I agree with that observation. Uh, my wife, Tiffany Barsodi, whom you've met, she likes to say that uh, religions co-opted spirituality in the same way that business and the industrial system co-opted science. And what she means by that is so much of the scientific endeavor these days is not really for the purpose of foundationally seeking truth, 
and, and, and enhancing human existence and well-being, it's primarily about uh, power and it's about um, profit for big companies. And it's I've, I've been in the clinical biomedical space for over 30 years, and I've seen this happen again and again, how science is often conducted, at least in the biomedical world, to advance... Um, to, to yield data that advances certain positions, which are not necessarily true and not necessarily for the good of uh, the, the population at hand. And we have been seeing a lot more of this the last couple of decades, this whole idea of scientism has arisen. Scientism is a word which essentially means that people who, who advocate that, for them, science is the final arbiter of truth. That if you don't believe what you're being shown from the science, then you, you're really missing the boat totally. That science is truth. And, and there's a whole realm of research within the biomedical literature that shows that, of course, this is not true. That much, perhaps the majority of scientific studies in, in what's called PubMed, at least in the U.S., it's a biomedical database maintained by the U.S. Library of Medicine, that that a highly significant, let's not say majority, but a significant percentage of those studies are not correct. And yet we go to these resources time and time again to try to prove a point. So there's that much on that so far. I might've rambled a little bit, but basically I agree with you on that position and science. And the reason this can happen is because science and this, many of the scientists doing this kind of science are not in touch with their spiritual nature. They've suppressed their deep intuition. They've suppressed love of their own selves and perhaps of their work. And that allows people to do things within the scientific world that are not for the greater good. And my book about the spiritual life of scientists is really an encouragement for more people, not just scientists, but everyone to embark on the a spiritual journey of consciousness development. And as those gifts within us begin to unfold more and more, then they provide the guidepost, the intuition, the inspiration from something greater than our own mind consciousness and how to pursue it and what to do. And ultimately, all, all that really turns out to be for the greater good, which is, which is what we want and what we need. Mm. Beautiful. So love really is the medicine. Yes. Mm. Beautiful. Now, Paul, I, I could really talk to you for hours and listen to you talk about this stuff for hours. But I, I know that our listeners are going to be really, really curious to know more about your work overall and also in, in buying the book that you, you have published through Sacred Stories Publishing. Uh, how would listeners find out more about you and your work and how can they find the book? Well, the book is on Sacred Stories Publishing website. It's also, of course, on Amazon, and people could go to Amazon at the book section and just type in my name, Paul J. Mills, or, or Spiritual Stories of Scientists, and, and then a book will pop up. Um, and, and broadly about the work, there's so many fascinating stories in there about uh, women and men scientists, and I, I'd like to share a couple because uh, I think they're fascinating and they give insight into how our spiritual nature is always trying to find ways to manifest. And sometimes we are, we're willing and we open the gates. Other times we, we step away from it because we're afraid, we don't feel we're ready and so forth. But, 
But ultimately, our deep spiritual nature is always pushing us forward, trying to get us to awaken, trying to get us to embrace our, our next step of development. So would you like to hear uh, one of the stories? Yes, please. One or two stories. I'd love that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, the first one that comes to mind is, is uh, from uh, Dr. Christine Peterson, and she's a, a scientist at the University of California, San Diego. And when I interviewed her, she shared with me that she had grown up in the mountains of Western Virginia, and her parents had a small farm. And the farm was pretty isolated uh, from the town and also from other farms. And she spent her days on the farm and uh, working with the animals. And she said one of the things she liked to do, she would climb up the side of a local mountain and she would just lie on her back and look up at the sky, the blue sky with occasionally some clouds going through. And she said what would happen is her sense of self would dissolve and she would find herself moving into a state of a unified consciousness. And at the same time, she said she'd be so full of love, love for everything. She felt unified with things. And this radically changed her perception, obviously, and this would linger with her for a long time. Well, later, when she was an adult and she was in graduate school and she uh, read about a local Tibetan teacher coming to give a lecture, she went and attended the lecture. And she was really moved by what this Lama had to say. So she decided to take a weekend training with the Lama at a retreat center nearby, which she did. And while she was on the retreat, the Lama was teaching them things. And one of the things the Lama did, he said, okay, we're going to go outside now. And he had everybody lie down on their back and look up at the sky. And he started to teach them this method of meditation, which in, in Tibetan system is called sky gazing. And it's a very specific technique in order to help dissolve our attachment and perception of our egoic self and to embrace more of the universal. And as he was explaining this to Christine and the rest of the class, she said, wait a minute, I know this. I, I started doing this when I was a child. And lo and behold, she did. And she said learning about it helped because it gave her a validation of things she already knew and had been doing. Plus, it gave her more confidence to just continue to pursue these different practices. And uh, she's just a great scientist. She's deeply in touch with her intuition, and she uses that to guide her work. And for her, scientific work is really all about uh, demonstrating really the, the, the spiritual, the innate human capacity for for health and well-being, and also consciousness development. Mm, I love that. Resonates very strongly for me as well, just thinking of, of some childhood experiences that I've had similar to this. So thank you for sharing. W would you care to sh share another story? Yeah, I'm just thinking of another one. Uh, well, I mentioned uh, Julie Malsberg a little bit ago, and she had several several wonderful stories. and. But I want to share this one in particular because, as you know, not all of our lives are rosy uh, when we're young. There's often challenges, some highly significant. And for her, when she was a child, her father was a scientist. And uh, he also, though, had a mental disorder. And when he was in this space of having a mental disorder, it was extremely difficult, uh, of course, for the family. and. And 
it was highly stressful for her. And at times it really would lead her to have spiritual openings as she was trying to cope with the, the stress in the household. But one of the things she noticed is that when he was out in nature, when he was making observations in nature and trying to understand the natural world, which he would do with her, he would bring her along outside. Then his symptoms, which were primarily an intensive obsessive compulsive disorder, when he was an observation of nature, it would take him out of the symptomatology and he would be kind of restored back to his normal self. And when she would see this, she she had a, a realization as a young child that it's really in being in touch with na- the natural world and having a deep, sincere desire to know what the world is about and our relationship to the world that is healing for the human psyche. No matter which way we were to do that, whether we were to do it as a scientist or whether we were to do it just as a, as a, as a say, a lay person, so to speak, uh, going out in the nature, querying the natural world, querying our own innate self and gifts. And that's what really led her to ultimately become a scientist because she saw it as potentially a path of healing, uh, not only for herself, she saw how it could help her father when he was really in times of need. And, and so that, that's another story. And she's been doing beautiful work. Uh, uh, she does a lot of work on um, uh, remote viewing and also concepts around the future self and the past self and the, the loss of the linearity of time and, and so forth. Mm. That's beautiful. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. And I mean, there's there's so much to, to say around the healing powers of nature and really the healing powers of our own bodies when we really start to understand at a deep level that we are designed to be these healing organisms, these healing machines in synchronicity with nature, mm-hmm. in synchronicity with the trees, with the mycelia, with sun, with all of nature and how little we are harnessing of that as mm. as collective humanity right now. Agreed. And, and I think as you hinted earlier, you were speaking about an awakening occurring in humanity. And, and I see that too. I, I, see, uh, I see and experience changes that are, uh, let's say, evidence for that. But at the same time, we also see, uh, say, other forces that are opposing that. But ultimately, getting back to my vision from uh, I mentioned earlier, ultimately humanity will get there, and we will uh, fulfill that destiny we have, and and we will have a transformed uh, world here uh, with love as a foundational experience and perception. Mm, here, here. One of my favorite mottos, well, my the favorite motto is rooted in love. So everything you say there is just so beautifully <laughs> resonant with everything that I believe in. So thank you for stating it so beautifully and gracefully and really, really appreciate the work that you do and your courage in, in sharing this message about science and the, the possibilities within science when we do it from that love-centered perspective thank you yeah and well as you you would you note on your your website and we've lived in primarily a patriarchal society for so long and science as an endeavor has been highly patriarchal 
it's evolved over the last handful of decades. There's been perhaps some softening of that, but generally it's the mind, it's the intellect that is the dominant favored force in science. And, and, and even though you have fabulously famous scientists and Nobel prize winners who speak about the importance of intuition and these insights just just pop out from within them out of nowhere as being really what's responsible for their primary great discoveries. In general, that's not been embraced uh, by most scientists, perhaps because people don't really know how to do it. Well, how do I turn on my spiritual nature? How do I uh, activate my feminine, this, this intuition and imagination? Uh, that's, that's a route, of course, many people seek through different forms of meditation, and there's lots of options. It's, it's just important for a person to begin to take that first step in, with the desire to have a change and a, a willingness to face whatever it takes as far as crossing thresholds to get there. And, and then I believe a person will find what they're seeking. Mm, absolutely. Well, here's to everybody finding that courage to go within and seek that truth within themselves and for allowing that that mm. feminine side to really start to express itself in whatever way it is for each unique individual that it needs to be yes. expressed in. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared, uh, Paul, and all that you are and all that you're becoming. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you, Emma. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Mm, beautiful. Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention and our awareness on this really, really inspiring energy that's been activated. And imagine sending this energy to everybody and everything on our planet to remember that we are all truly one and that the more of us have the courage to step into our sacred feminine power, the more quickly our planet will also heal and ascend. Thank you so much for listening.